It's embarrassing. Uh, sometimes there are just some shortcomings that you can't get around. It's embarrassing for all men who have to just to bet on a podcast. So Cuties has just come out on Netflix the last couple of weeks, and it had released in France last month to uh, just general acclaim, um, not much controversy. As it hit the U.S., just a giant explosion of controversy from every corner, and uh, the whole discussion's been fraught. Um, we have a podcast with two men on it, so wanted to invite our friend Renee here. Uh, uh, I think you have a much more lived-in perspective than we could possibly bring to this. The fact that I'm a woman and you guys aren't, is a little bit of a different perspective, yes, I would say. A small difference in this conversation. <laughs> yes. And the fact that I have been referring to in its original French name as Mignons the whole time, and everybody else calls it cutie, I'm like, but it's not. It's Mignons. <laughs> mignons, and it's, um, it, which means like cute in France, right? Like it's a different meaning if you just translate it directly. If you translate it directly, it is cute, but it also means small and dainty. Mm. If you think of the actual word, uh, filet mignon, it's a small piece of steak. Yeah, sure. And so with this, uh, it does translate over to cute. And so when I was watching it in French with English subtitles, they did um, say, you know, mignons, and then the subtitle did say cuties. Okay. Um I, I feel like you have a bit more perspective there, too, because you have French background, correct? My great-grandfather um, immigrated over from France, and so my grandmother is half French, and then my great-aunts as well, and my mom's a quarter French. And my mom's name is actually uh, Mignon. She went by Mignon because nobody could pronounce it. She <laughs> was yeah in high school. And middle school, she abbreviated it to Miggy, and then she got made fun of constantly. Mm. My great aunt, her legal name is Mignon as well, and she even got made fun of that she just dropped it entirely and started going by her middle name, mm. which I always knew it was her legal name. I just never knew her as it growing up. And I'm 37, and I just sure. never referred to her as um, that name, it was always Aunt Marty to me because she just chose to leave it because children, children are mean. Yeah, absolutely. Like even it in shows the, some of that, right? It, it does. Girls are the worst and it shows how mean people can be. And if people can just take a name and destroy somebody and hurt them so badly with the name, it, the effects of anything. I mean, even with, um, cuties, they referred to how she dressed. They called her homeless. I mean, there's yeah. just little things throughout that um, can really affect a person. I mean, we look at this and we, we see that reputation constantly being broadcast to the internet. I mean, something sticks with you like that, a form of online bullying towards a movie and a director. Um, it's possibly career ending. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff and content in this movie. I found myself uncomfortable, but again, I'm a man, and I think that this movie isn't for me. I was uncomfortable, and I'm a woman. Right, and I think that's intent, right? It is, but uh, a good um, friend of mine, Don Shanahan, wrote in his uh, five lessons, what do you do with that? 
Like, what do you move forward? It's in that point hit me the most when I read it was, yeah, I'm uncomfortable. And so what did I do with that discomfort? I started to raise questions. I started to ask questions and have those conversations those hard conversations on Facebook with people about double standards about, okay, you won't watch this movie, but you like toddlers and tiaras. Let's talk <laughs> about that. Let's you talk a, about. You let's had a great about, dance moms thread on there. Well, it started with dance moms mm-hmm. and I, because I've watched some of it and I was like, Nope, Nope. I mean, <laughs> it's they, the, um, the leader is, Besides her behavior aside, she actually said, like, you need to move your butt. You need to actually be, it's sassier, it's sexier. Like, she actually was trying to get, and their outfits looked, in this one specific scene in season one, looked nearly identical to cuties. It is, I was looking at the costuming, because I'm a huge fan of costumes too. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, it's, like, you could have picked the costumes off and put them on. And some moms are saying, no, hold on, wait a minute, this is not all right. But the owners still went forward with these costumes and they still wore them. And so I was raising the concern about, okay, here's where it's at. But then I also went, hold on, I openly admit to watching Dancing Queen, which is run by a drag queen. He owns the show. And I was like, Okay. Am I being a hypocrite? Am I holding a double standard? I went back and I rewatched Dancing Queen. I rewatched some of Dance Moms. I'm like, no, I'm good. Dancing Queen, yes, it is full of drama, full of drag. But the dancing is technical. The dancing is clean. The dancing is appropriate. And it doesn't have the over-sexualization of when they they do, you know, specific movements that Mm -hmm. to, you know, somebody... Well, could be like, dance, oh, right? <laughs> yeah, all dance is different ways, but it's not intentionally sexual as of dance moms. I'm like, yeah, no, they're, they're trying to elicit, you know, they're trying to be on the edge. Whereas with cuties, the girls realize dancing sexy, dancing like rap stars, you get the more likes, you get more credibility. And so they lessen their technical, they sold themselves out and they gave up their talent in favor of trying to be sexy and trying to be what they thought social media and what the world wanted. And that's the problem. You're compromising yourself for the sake of sex selling. I think this is an important conversation just generally. I think that the yeah. U.S. were in a reality TV nation where uh, beauty pageants are king and there's a, there's a lot of precedent on things like TikTok uh, to gain popularity. And um, I feel like this reflects very closely to home and maybe it makes us uncomfortable for a lot of different reasons. So I'm in the cosplay community and mm. I don't, I don't do TikTok. I build costumes and I do see um, some upticks. I do see people who do more scandalous and more revealing costumes, get more likes. It's true. It's just a part of, you know, it happens, but also some costumes are very technical and they're amazing and they get more likes and people will cross it over into TikTok. I personally don't do it. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also seeing where it's that pressure to continually produce and continually to put stuff out. And this is where this movie grabs that. I need to, you know, Amy was doing like replicating duck face yeah. and different things to try to be like others and replicate what she's seen. 
And it is exactly what is currently happening on social media. And it's, I understand it on a level where it's, I'm currently doing with a group I'm in where each day we all post the same thing. And so Mm -hmm. everybody's posting the same things together. And it's great because all of us are doing it in unison. It's we're all celebrating something together. Amy is basically trying to do the same thing. She's trying to post exactly what the other girls are doing because she wants to emulate them. Us is more about unity for her. It's I want to be them. I want to create a relationship, create a friendship, but she also wants to break out of that super conservative religiousness that um, she's grown up with and find who she is. Mm. I, I went through that when I was in middle school. I had, it wasn't as conservative as um, Amy's upbringing, but it was a conservative church. My mom wasn't as conservative as hers. My dad was a little bit more on the conservative end. So I think it was a little more balanced, but there was still to the fact of, I could wear like jeans or whatever to church. Yeah. But there were certain things we couldn't do. My mom at one point didn't want us watching like the Simpsons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I mean, there were some things, but in middle school, I did try to push the limits of, you know, what could I wear? There was a scene about um, her underwear and they made fun of her mm-hmm. during a fight when her pants fell down. So she went out and she bought new underwear. Well, going to gym, when you change your underwear showing, and I felt a little insecure about my underwear. So I wanted to go to the store and buy some new ones. So when I changed it in gym, my butt was showing in my underwear and it wasn't, you know, gross ones as they made fun of her about because girls get self-conscious about anything and everything. And it's terrible. And it's psychological. Boys will just punch each other and they'll move on. Girls are mean. And so there were times in middle school where I would alter who I was trying to find out also who I was and trying to convince my parents of what I needed. And so that was trying to find that balance. But Amy went about it in a secretive covert way because her religion required her to be pious. Her religion required a sanctimoniousness of her that was um, more than what she wanted more than what she was looking for. And she didn't really felt like she had a voice inside her religion. She found her voice outside and she was trying to find it. There's like a intersection between like the French and Sengal cultures here, which is makes it more crucial and interesting. And I think it's probably partially why it's been picked on um, because it's other and it's a part of something else. But I think it tells such a unique story of a young girl in a different country and uh, I, I just think it has so much more than it's been criticized for. And I've seen a lot of people um, use a statement that, you know, French films are different than American films, which they are. Mm-hmm. French have a very more openness and awareness with sexuality than we do in American films. Right. I don't think this is the case with this film, though. I don't really think it's a sexual film. I don't think it's sexual that it's more of it's a cultural thing when it comes to the french culture and her the single culture i don't think it has to do with um how french view their openness with sexuality and new beaches and toplessness in films because it wasn't toplessness for the sake of toplessness they were very intentional with the shots they chose and why they chose them and switching from a steady cam versus a handheld cam so you could get that feeling, you could get that presence. 
I think I, I've seen one of their uh, French single film, um, Black Girl, which was incredible and shows more of like the parents' perspective of an immigrant coming and moving into France and what it means for them to like clean houses and uh, that there's still like some form of indentured servitude there, which we pick up on with the mother. I think that's another compelling part of the movie that gets brushed under the rug with all this. Oh, I cried at the scene with the mother when she was having her emotional breakdown. I read an article which I about lost my mind because they compared that scene to be sexual in nature. I'm like, uh, how? how? She's having an emotional breakdown because her husband is choosing a second wife and she is losing a part of herself and she has to separate and give that up. And then she has to pull herself together and how she pulls herself together um, was actually difficult for me. I struggle with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually struggling with Amy's perspective in hearing the sounds of what was happening and me full well knowing what was happening. Yeah. This was, was, was difficult for me on my, on my own side. And it made me in that scene itself, it made me realize why some people don't want to see cuties because of their own issues with trauma in the past. And that mm. is completely understandable. And that gave me a pause. And then I was looking further into just the moms, the psychology of what the mom was going through, but it's all through Amy's perspective and how Amy is handling it. But Amy also took on some of what her mom was going through and really opposed her dad. She was just took a strong, hard, dug her heels in and just was stubborn and just was not having it. It's especially heartbreaking when she's hit under the bed and you think something else is going to happen, but it reveals so much of her parents. And then there's the whole wedding wraparound too, where, um, spoilers, but by then she's figuring out um, what she really wants based on the reactions uh, on the faces of the crowd. She sees something else than what she feels inside. Um, So I think you're, you're uniquely uniquely qualified in a lot of different ways but um i think there's a, you have a context of work too that you're bringing to this um i've been in like youth counseling and i know hipaa stuff but uh, you could get into whatever you want yes so uh my background with work was i used to work for the ymca with teen camp specifically mm-hmm. with this age group and it was um youth coming from fifth grade into sixth grade so they would have been in that 10, 11 years old, and then up through maybe age 13 or 14. And so the maturity, the maturity gap was wide and it was vast. And I absolutely love the psychology of it. But then I was also coming up against when I was that age and what these kids were talking about going, okay, this is a whole different generation. Like the things they're like a couple conversations I overheard on the bus, I had talked to the girls afterwards saying, okay, what, what they just asked you to do, what's going on, where, like, I had to have some difficult conversations. And then there were a couple other things that, um, one was a false accusation against the boy, but I had to treat it as if it was an actual accusation. I, in the moment, couldn't tell until we started like writing down the reports and everything. But everything has to be reported as if it's truth to that person. And it made for some stressful days. Yeah. And it made my job challenging. But it definitely, working with uh, the YMCA was like, okay, teens takes a, 
special kind of personality in a person. I have the personality, but I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to be dealing with this level of teens all the time. I found the very same thing. Like I was working in drug addiction, of course. So the teens were coming from very difficult paths. I mean, they all came bleary eyed and, you know, yellow faces just from all the infection of the drugs. I just, I couldn't really take that level of high intensity care that that they needed. Um, And I just heard their stories of abuses and how sexual they became and how early. And I realized uh, we're both in our thirties. I realized how much changed since, since I was a kid and how different it is. And QD shows a lot of that. It shows how different it is, but I can also relate to, Mm -hmm. it's still the same in so many concepts. It's just a matter of how much more and more quickly children are asked to grow up. And when she was 11, she was watching your younger brothers. When I was her same age, I was watching my two younger brothers after school one of which has developmental disabilities. And so I, my younger brother was seven years younger. And then um, the foster brother was, I think, two or three years younger than him, I want to say. And I was 12, getting off the school bus, picking up these two children off the school bus and waiting until my mom would get home. And it was a lot of responsibility for me. And later when I work back with it, it was too much responsibility. Like I did not be able to be a kid. And that was one aspect of cuties identified is she's trying to still be a kid, but she's not going about it in the most healthiest ways. Neither did I. Mm. And so I related to that. And out of my experience with my foster brother, that led me into my current job where I uh, work for the state with adults with disabilities. And specifically I provide, um, support to in to different agencies four of them and two of them provide supports for adults who um, have been arrested have different types of convictions or just aren't safe in the community without supervision and they're specialized clients that um, have some level of history and it varies for different reasons, but there's just there's a safety level that the state deemed um, necessary for them to have 24-hour supervision. And a couple of clients that I'm working with, um, they have sexual offenses, and to the point of no children can be within the purview of their home. Mm-hmm. And so one client, we had to move him. We had to find a new home because once COVID hit and there were um, kids ended up going to some, they weren't in the home when he moved in, but with COVID, they were across the street and it was problematic. And so we had to find him a new home and we had to figure out where we can move him to and do it safely and make sure he had supports in place so that he did not have any behaviors or any issues. Thankfully he didn't. But that was a couple of weeks of us being diligent and finding an alternative solution. And so now he's having like a roommate moving in and everything's fine. We've had no issues mm. with him. But, you know, COVID changed the dynamics of a home that was safe for him to a home that you enter in a dynamic of a couple of children across the street and it's no longer safe for him. Yeah, Absolutely. I feel like it also has changed the dynamic of this release because this could have come out small theater release first and uh, maybe mirrored the French release, but we're all stuck at home. I mean, 
we're engaging with arguments maybe we wouldn't always do online and we're possibly consuming too much Netflix. So maybe this went beyond the group that needed the film and um, kind of penetrated a different conversation that I didn't need to get to. Uh, I, I mean, I strongly believe that uh, the film should speak for itself and artists can do what they want, but uh, it's been difficult to see. I saw a report this morning that it's like a record number of Netflix cancellations. I don't think this film warrants that. I, and I saw that too. And I, I actually have a friend who did do a cancellation mm-hmm. and I privately messaged her and I, cause she had a previous thread about asking for like um, different like movie recommendations, TV recommendations for different platforms. And one was Netflix. After I knew she canceled, I went to her privately and I said, Hey, I know that thread has Netflix in it. Let me give you on different platforms. What do you want? What are you looking for? And her and I've had great conversation and guess what? Cuties was never at the center of it. Mm-hmm. And earlier this week, my car battery died. She was the first person I called because oh. she lived closest to where I was. And she came and she jumped my car. And we had a great conversation out there, social distancing while we jumped my car. We're on different. She canceled her Netflix. I watched the movie. I'm encouraging conversation regardless of where somebody is, but at least have the conversation. Be open-minded to being uncomfortable. <laughs> not having a double standard and we're both okay with it. And she's not, you know, telling people that they're terrible for choosing to watch it. She made her own personal choice based on her convictions. I made my choice based on what I felt the need for me to have an awareness of and we moved on, but that's how it should be. That's great. I had a friend who had canceled, I saw on her Instagram right away, just canceled Netflix and, you know, uh, some posturing there to show it off. But uh, um, then she came to a thread that my wife had about the cuties and, well, she committed to watching it. So I guess she's going to reactivate and watch this at some point. And I think it's meaningful that we still have those talks with people who go and cancel something we like, right? Like we could continue that conversation and still have meaningful dialogues about something that someone's against or, um, I mean, there's there's so much more discussion to be had about cuties than uh, for like my generic takeaway to be like, I'm a man and I didn't understand it made me comfort- uncomfortable, right? Like, uh, I think there's a lot more ground to cover here because it is a deeper movie. It, I mean, it got picked up right before Sundance and won director awards there. It, it matters. I think that the film would have been great to have at the Seattle International Film Festival. Oh yeah. Like it would have been a perfect fit in that dynamic for the independent film that it is and the international film that it is with like a limited release and those who wanted to choose to see it would have been great to go see it. It would still had the controversy. It would have still had all this nonsense about it. But I think because of one, how it was handled by Netflix and that Netflix really did not do it well. That's really part of the process. And a lot of people are misunderstanding. When it first was announced, I thought it was a reality movie. Yeah. Because I had- It's like a documentary, right? Yeah. I had just watched Athlete 8, like not too long ago. And so I was like, well, okay, it's going to be, you know, reality about dance. If I didn't, I'm not watching trailers or I'm reducing how many trailers I watch for just my own personal- trying just to limit the impact. And so I watch something, I actually get to see it for a totality. And so that's when I'm like, okay, I'm not going to watch it. It's going to be a reality show. Then I saw all this other stuff come out about it. And I was like, wait, what? 
And I was like, okay, I'm totally going to watch this. See, in some way, I think the controversy uh, got me to watch it, A, but also brought us together to talk about it. I think it is creating good dialogues that are more important than a few canceled subscriptions. It has also caused some very toxic conversations from people to the point of being, people have been saying derogatory names for people because of their choice to watch it. And that's where I draw the line. I was like, no, no, we're not going to do that. You can have your choice not to watch it. I'm going to have my choice not to watch it, but you're not going to call somebody a pervert because of their choice to watch it. It's where are your motives? Where is your intent when you watch it? And there's a lot of people all over the place on it. Yeah. It's, it's what, where, 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 it's a person check. Where are you at? Obviously, the client that I refer to is not going to be allowed to watch this. Of course. It would be unhealthy for him and his treatment plan. And there's some other people that have some personal struggles, and it wouldn't be wise for them to watch it. People who have trauma in their past, probably not the wisest thing for them to watch it. And I understand that. But for some people that are just like, well, I'm not watching it because of X, Y, and Z, but yet they watch like, a 90 second clip and judge the whole entire film based upon a third act clip. There's not enough context to understand what led to that, why it's that way. And it's hard to have a conversation when somebody is judging something based on 90 seconds without more context. There's an entire French history too. That's uh, sexually expressive. Like, I mean, Eric Romar is my favorite director. And uh, there, there are films like Claire's Knee, of course, which is like an examination of an adult relationship with a younger girl. I mean, there's, it's, it's not a culture that's going to really sit and criticize what's in the film because it understands that showing something isn't, you know, the same as advocating for it. Wasn't Brooke Shields, like her, one of her first movies where she was in a relationship as a young girl with an adult? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do it too. Yeah. And I just watched Taxi Driver where Jodie Foster was, it was on my watch list forever. And my friends judged me torrentially for this, but I I prioritized it because I realized, oh, Jodie Foster plays a young prostitute. Okay, let's go for it. Because I needed that historical context for America cinema to realize Scorsese intentionally went out and asked Foster for this role. He wanted her in this role. And I was like, well, to what extent is she portraying this? What's going on? I'm like, okay, American cinema, we have some issues. Uh, what was another one? It was um, American Beauty. The actress was 16 or 17 at the time of filming. Right. Which the age, I mean, the maturity gap between a 17-year-old versus 11-year-olds is different. But in all the articles I read and the information I have regarding cuties is they filmed it out of sequence. They filmed it selectively to not put too much burden on the girls. They had counselors and psychologists on the set. They They took care of them psychologically so that it was not going to be too much for them. I got on and watched an interview with Decor that uh, from Sundance. That was uh, she was saying uh, no one was uncomfortable except the parents of the girls, which I think a lot of people is what they're taking issue with. I mean, if you add like that psych counseling and 
uh, maybe more documentation. I think people might be like, okay, you, you did the, uh, you did the best you could here. And a lot of people's argument is how could the parents let them? How could the parents let them? Right. And I think the film is showing and the creators are showing how they treated the um, actresses is exactly that is they knew that it wasn't just going to be um, sequential and all at once and repeated shots. Um, you know, they were being cared for, but I understand. I mean, I was uncomfortable. I mean, I can yeah. understand how it can be uncomfortable. It'd be hard not to be the way they're framed. I mean, it, it's meant to evoke a feeling and it does. It is. And I can even see that with other um, American films and some TV shows where you have um, younger adults and young older teens playing younger than themselves, acting out certain scenes. I'm like, oh, this is making me uncomfortable. This, this is not, why are we doing this on TV? Right. Um, I'm looking at UCW specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot out here and we have a different attitude towards women that could be even more derogatory. I mean, the way that we frame young women, especially in Hollywood is um, I think a lot more cynical than this is because this ultimately takes their side. I think that is what gets overlooked in any protest of the movie is that it agrees with anyone who's against it. How many people are in love with risky business? Exactly. And teenage boys hiring prostitutes. I mean, there's, that's a whole nother like gender double standard that I can go off on a tangent about. But that's why I'm wanting to perpetuate the conversation. And the one person that I'm referring to that called somebody um, a pervert, he said, if I care about 12-year-old girls and care about 11-year-old girls, I would do more. And I was like, do you not see this thread? Are you not paying attention to like what I am doing? Right. <laughs> I'm not closing my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's so much more to do. And this, I think, I think it asks us to become activists in some way. I mean, it it wants to engage a conversation. I just don't think I got the one that it means to. No. And I listened to a bunch of variety of different podcasts um, during this, wanting different perspectives. And there were some women that were very much opposed to it. And I went, oh, okay, got it. And I saw where they were coming from. And there was a group, like this nerd podcast. I'm like, okay, nerds, nerds are my people. And they were like way against it. And I was like, really? Do you not read comics? Like, let's talk about sexualizing of women and sexualizing of like children. Comics. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, this does not add up. But it's where they were at. And when it is actual human portraying the roles, it's entirely different than something that is fictional. And with this film, the writer, I believe, took some actual items from her own life and incorporated it into the film, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's a lot about self-identity and childhood that she experienced. Yeah. I mean, not through like a literal dance competition framing, I don't think, but I, I think the elements there, the relationships and the parents and the conservative family against more modernized values, I think she's pulling a lot from. Yeah. And the, the coming of age, I mean, as a woman, I identified with, you know, the period piece of it. I'm also a fan of movies that have periods because we don't talk about menstruation enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is coming of age. She's 11. How, how, how are she, how is she can get supported in this? And her mom is like, you're a woman. And she moved on. I was like, that is actually true for a lot of people. 
Like that's all really, they got. It's really such a dismissive moment where she just says she's a woman. And I mean, these kids can't figure out how condoms work. They blow them up like balloons. How are they going to figure out tampons and whatnot? Right. Yeah. There was one specific thread I was in and I kept referring to the condom as a balloon because <laughs> that girl literally thought it was a balloon. And the guy's like, yeah, but it was a condom. I'm like, no, she thought it was a balloon. So yeah. I'm referring to it as a balloon. And I go, by the way, condoms make great bachelor party, bachelorette party balloons. So you fill them up with helium. They're a real winner. Yeah. That did not go over very well. My wife was watching it. She said, that's exactly what I did as a kid. That's That was my first experience with the condom was making it a balloon. So Yeah. It's just, it, you know, some people, it's best to use a brand new one out of the package and not yes, one you find in the course. park. <laughs> but also it shows their misconceptions of sexuality and their misconceptions of at that age, just not getting the correct information about, okay. People like, like, no, the information is wrong. Information is wrong, but it's, that's why you have to have good, healthy sex education conversations at that age, because the information they have is clearly wrong. And it was just, that made me uncomfortable too. There was, there was a phase in my life where I applied for a job as a sex education specialist that goes into all the schools. I was like, eh, how hard could this be? I can talk about sex all day. No big deal. I didn't get the job. Uh, but I was like, okay, but can I do that all day? All day. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I have a weird enough personality, (laughs) but it's important to have the conversation and not to because I've had conversations with people that have been shielded and a lot of it has to do with the super conservative religious faiths. And even though she is of Muslim faith, not all Muslims are that conservative and not all Muslims subscribe to the same ideologies that they did. And I think that is an important factor to have that we don't judge the Muslims based on this movie because it is very different. Well, how do you feel about the ending of the movie? I feel it's oh, so literally it. uplifting, but I want your take. Um, I, For her and her mom's relationship, I really loved what her mom told her. Mm-hmm. And um, the ending, it's, I felt like she kept struggling with finding her own identity and finding who she was. And her mom finally gave her permission to make a choice. Because she's been making wrong choices left and right throughout the yes. whole film. But her mom, with her with her mom present, her mom gave her permission. And her mom explained why her mom was making her choice and gave her permission to make her own. And then she made her choice. And I, I loved it. It was something that in my heart I needed because I didn't have that as a child. And it was something that I, I keep coming back to as returning to youth, reclaiming your youth, and not trying to grow up too fast. I feel and very, I loved it. I feel very divided on like the movie as a whole, but by the ending, I I mean, how can you not give in to that sensation of the of lifting into the air and the jump rope keeps getting longer and it's like the leash of life just it just unleashed on her and, and she she found independence and how to make a choice. Uh, it's just such a beautiful movie moment. I mean, in a movie that I don't, I'm, I don't have real strong feelings about that. That really sunk in with me. And as a person of color, she finally 
understood her hair. I mean, at one mm-hmm. point she tried to iron her hair, which my aunts and my great aunts have done, <laughs> but she, she didn't understand the use of it. And she, she burnt her hair tragically, but yeah. during the whole movie, you see her struggling with trying to style her hair, trying to understand her hair. And for somebody, for a person of color, um, it's hair is, I mean, hair love received an Oscar. Yeah. And so it's understanding hair, especially for a young girl and not wanting to hate your hair, but fully embrace it. Embrace it as part of who you are is huge. And so that, just that little thing of styling as a character actually spoke volumes to me as a person, knowing just the background of cultural identity and what a big piece that is, that she didn't need to hide it. She didn't need to you know, wrap it in a ponytail. She could let it be free, but also embrace and style in a way that she felt comfortable and who she is. I'm so happy with this conversation because these things didn't occur to me. I mean, I was freaked out that anyone would use an ironing (laughs) board. She literally irons the hair out and gets the burn. I mean, it's, I was just in a moral panic about whether or not people do this and trying to get reassurance from my wife. But because you come from like costuming background, I think you get like hair and makeup and costuming and I mean, I knew about ironing hair from years ago from like my aunts. My aunts grew up in the 70s and they need, they would just sit there and iron their hair before school. Yeah. Okay. So it's a real thing. It's always a thing. (laughs) Um, If you had to give like a a final thought to anyone who is on the fence about canceling Netflix or even if they should watch this movie, if they feel culpable for any reason, um, what would you say to them? It's, it's not a great film. Like it's not, you know, it's no like amazing Oscar winner, but it, it is thought provoking and prepare to go in uncomfortable and give it an opportunity with open eyes. It's for the whole conversations I've been having is for people who are on the fence because I don't believe anybody who's going to be swayed from not wanting to see it, to see it. Most people are pretty well set in their ways, but if you have any question of, well, I did not feel that they were, it's, I believe there's a lot of hype and a lot of overhype and people are getting caught up in it and wanting to be on the right side and the wrong side. I don't think there is a right and a wrong side. I think it's all personal and where you are personally on this one. I completely agree. I've I've seen some people come around, but I think uh, I think everyone's made up their mind by now, and I'm just really glad to have this conversation. So, uh, thank you so much. Anything you want to plug? Websites, Twitter, anything? Um, you can have um, funny meme conversations with me, and I will usually put what I am currently watching on my Twitter at pixie p i x i e underscore bomber b o m b e r on the Twitter. And be for, for warning, like sometimes I respond in GIF and that's just how I am. And then there's like some random stuff that I'll put on there too. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's a trip. This whole conversation, you've just been sending GIFs along <laughs> with your responses, right? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Mm-hmm. Jaw, oh, jaw, 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 jaw.